You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin this week's episode, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live, and record, and recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. We pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. P.S. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to P.S. Meet Me at Stage Door. Today, we have another new interview for you, but before we get into it, over to Libby for the bulletin. In latest news, Sydney Theatre Company is opening up applications for the 2020 Patrick White Playwright Awards and expressions of interest for the Patrick White Playwright Fellowship. The awards are meant to benefit both emerging and established writers, with the prize combining to $32,500. Applications are due by the 23rd of November, and for more information, head to their website at www.sydneytheatre.com.au slash patrickwhite. If you're in Sydney this week, make sure to grab your tickets for NIDA's production of Next to Normal. If you have listened to our previous episodes, Gareth Isaac has been working on this production, helping with the voice support. Directed by the acclaimed Darren Yap and with an incredible cast of third-year students, this is not one to miss. Make sure you guys check it out. Back to you, Tori. Today, we welcome screen actor, theatre performer, businesswoman and influencer, Abigail King. Most recently, Abby performed in Nick Payne's production of Constellations and was also a part of a funded web series by Screen Australia titled 2121, acting alongside Gary Sweet. Not only an actress, Abby is also a social media influencer with over 26k followers, an eco-warrior and has a passion for personal finance. This passion led her to found her financial coaching practice, Free the Artist, with the mission to liberate performers across the global myth of the starving artist. She's a sucker for an indoor plant and believes that any budget with a no latte rule is the worst sort of budget. Please welcome Abby. (laughs) Hi. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I I don't know if I've been described as an influencer before. (laughs) You now are. It's a very generous term. I mean, I feel like with the follower account that you have and the content that you post, I mean, that's how I've always kind of seen you as as a bit of like an eco-influencer. Oh, thank you. That would be the best sort of influencer to be. So I will take that. (laughs) How have you been going lately? Because I mean, you're down in Melbourne and you've been going through lockdowns. What have you been doing during quarantine? Ah, 
am. We're back in lockdown. Well, no, we're still in lockdown. Um, I've been really trying to make the most of the opportunities that are available to artists right now because obviously because people across the globe aren't able to be meeting and working and learning in person, everybody's moved online, which Mm. means all of a sudden I can take classes in LA and I can take classes in Sydney and I can take classes in the UK. So I've been trying to really maximize the amount of learning that I'm doing in whenever this kicked off in about March, I lost three jobs in five days. So I sort of threw my hands in the air and went, you know what? 2020 is my sabbatical and I'm just going to dedicate it to being a sponge and learning and improving as much as I can. Yeah. I think that's the best way to, to, to go about it. Cause I think uh, Libya and I were exactly the same. Like I lost my two jobs in the span of I think actually, I think I found out I lost both jobs on the same day. Yeah, and it was was just like bam, (laughs) one email, and I was like, you know what? It's okay. You know, I have the other job, and as far as I know, they're not planning on closing. And then, like two hours later, the second email came, and I was like, already, this is what we're doing. It is, but you know, it's one of those things. Like with everyone, what can you do? Like mm. you really, just got to take advantage of this time that we have, which we have. Yeah, and I think for me, going no, this is my year to invest in myself has helped with the sense of frustration that I'm missing out or I'm getting mm. behind. Yeah. Um, because right from the beginning, I went, well, that's 2020 gone. Exactly. Look, and I think that's what everybody did. And mm. I think that's it's, it's a good way to go about it because it does mean that you kind of can avoid that thing of I'm missing out on everything. Everything's been cancelled. Like this is going to be shit and just going, OK, it's going to it's 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 going to be a year. But take advantage of this this abundance of time that we now have. Mm. Yeah. All of a sudden, a lot of people are very time rich, which is unusual. We also know that you're a big book nerd and I've been following you for quite some time now but what have you been reading during quarantine and do you have any recommendations for us be it new books or just really good books that you've gone back and reread yeah well 2020 has actually been a really good year for final books and series so Mm -hmm. um there's a a series the first in the series is called Revenger which is sort of like it's it's like a sci-fi steampunk sort of situation so it follows two sisters and they go out in this sort of pirate spaceship world uh and the world world building is very cool so the final book in that series came out and i read it and then because i have the memory of a goldfish i've now had to go back to the beginning uh, and start the first one again and when i read the first one the first time i remember being mad because it was so page turny that i couldn't put it down and i was sort of which is the best recommendation for a book And then next on my list is another fantastic one that I have to mention because it's amazing. Uh, It is by an author called, I might get this wrong, I think it's S.A. Chakraborty. And it is, the first one is called City of Bronze, I think. And it follows, it's set in ancient, I could be so wrong on so many details because I have (laughs) been working on Please don't come and crucify me when you publish this. It follows she's a street, like a street rat and a con artist in ancient Egypt, and she accidentally summons a genie and gets caught up in this whole sort of inter-species struggle that's going on that she has no idea about. And so both of them are these really lush, beautiful worlds and strong female characters just because they are, not because someone decided to write a strong female character. Yes. yes, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, and the good news is 
both series, I think, are finished now because there's nothing worse than starting a series and then oh, realizing that you can't. That is the finish worst. It. I'm glad that both of those are complete <laughs> series for me um, because yeah. I do have Revenge. Actually, that's on my it's oh, on my bookshelf. It's yourself. on my TBR. Um, I'm mm. currently reading through the Lunar Chronicles, and those I am flying through. Like that's like a book a day kind of thing. Um, so I will definitely you're gonna have get to get on that those one, recommendations. Tori. Yeah, that's amazing. And you don't or you don't only have a passion for books, but you obviously have a huge passion for theatre and you know the whole uh, art industry. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into theatre? Uh, yeah, I mean it's a bit of a twisty road. I'm from a very small town in Timaru. Uh, Timaru. It is Timaru. It's a very small town <laughs> in New Zealand, oh. uh, and it had a really strong Amdram Society, which is mm. strange for a town that small. So that was just you know every year you went to see the youth theatre show, whatever it was that year, and so that sort of sucked me in. Uh, and then I went on to train in music theatre uh, and moved to Australia to pursue that, and then. After a while, I realized maybe that wasn't serving me as much as I would have liked it to. It wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling me and it was sort of leaving me quite drained. And so I explored more of the screen and what I call straight theater side of things. (laughs) Not an orientation, just a description of the lack of songs. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that's sort of where I'm at now is really thriving and exploring the acting versus the singing and the kicking myself in the face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's actually really great to not only, you know, to look at all different areas of theatre, especially like plays or music theatre or straight acting as in screen acting as well, because you never know where your like passion lies. Because obviously we all start in that very like community, like a community theatre slash school theatre mm. and, and we do the musicals and we do the plays, but we just like everything. So it's nice as adults to really like have a look and, and look at all, all fields and see where you might land. Yeah, absolutely. And there was... There are many skills that I learned in my music theatre training and I'm very lucky that the academy that I trained at had an excellent acting program and I still use skills that I learned there. But I also sort of look and go, if I'd been a little bit more curious and a little bit less dogmatic in my pursuit of music theatre, I could have perhaps been a lot kinder to my mental health right from the beginning. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's absolutely excellent advice because if you explore everything worst case scenario you're going to learn some new skills you can cross pollinate best case scenario you might find a puzzle piece that fits you a little better exactly yeah definitely because yeah theater is also such a like music theater in particular it is such a particular skill and it is very mentally and emotionally draining as is every kind of aspect of the arts whether it be straight acting or film and television or visual arts they do all, all have their aspects, but I think music theatre, especially the people in it, are particularly harsh on themselves. And I um, think music theatre more than anything is very cookie cutter. Uh, in Australia, a lot of the work we do in music theatre is replicating overseas productions, uh, even to the you know the choreography, the aesthetics of the people who are cast, the vocal styles of the people who are cast. And there's not that celebration and exploration of individuality for the most part there are obviously fantastic Australian works as well which just means that if you fit the cookie cutter of what is succeeding overseas or what is being celebrated overseas that's 
going to be the easiest path for you. But if you don't fit that, it becomes a much more of an uphill slog and waiting for that one perfect little role. And I would like to like obviously qualify that by saying the people who succeed in Australia and who are celebrated in Australia are phenomenal performers. And mm. I've seen my fair share of Australian music theatre productions. I would say they're performing at or above the level overseas. It's just yeah. sometimes a bit of a shame that the the majority of the work that we produce and that succeeds here is a replication of overseas work. Yeah. It is. But I think it's also great that um, there is some, like for me personally, I really love seeing new work come up in Australia. I think I love to celebrate more new work because that's where you see the changes and that's where you see the non-cookie cutter come out, which is so brilliant because that's why I love musical theatre. But I 100% see like 100% mm. see the cookie cutter because that is something that is such a struggle sometimes as a performer because you're like, well, I don't fit that really tall, can yeah. flick my leg up to my head and sing a, a A5 or something in soprano, you know what I mean? Um, and if you keep trying to fit into that cookie cutter versus celebrating your delicious bagel, exactly. just thinking of other baked goods, <laughs> then that, oh. that can be quite challenging mentally. And I think the bagel. other thing is I saw... <laughs> I saw, oh, freaking, I'm going to have one after this. Um, I saw a, a little song cycle called What Rhymes With Cars and Girls, which is based on an Australian um, album. And as I was watching it, I went, the magic of this and the sort of electricity of this must have been what it was like to see once in its original form before it became a copy of a copy of a copy. And it still holds some yeah. of that magic, but there's something about when it's new and fresh and people are celebrating and exploring in it, that yeah. just has a different energy to going, well, we've got the Australian cast doing what the UK cast did, who's doing what the US cast did, who's doing what the workshop cast did. Yes. Yeah. So I guess talking about your theatre journey, you also kind of have appeared to have gone on a bit of a different journey because you have a large following on social media alongside being a working actor, businesswoman and an eco-warrior. Do you feel that your platform on social media has helped you grow not only as a performer but as a person? I would say yes. It does. It's funny that you mention it, you know, not only with the theatre thing, when theatre was the main, my main driving force for getting into it. I had a friend who went to a, a music, and I think this has died out a little bit now, but there was a stage where they were asking for your account so they could check your follower numbers. Mm. Uh, and a friend had that happen between her audition and her callback for a performance or for a production. And so I went, well, if this is where the industry is going, I need to get a head start on that because you can't just build something like that overnight. Yeah. Uh, and I never wanted that to be the reason that someone else was casting something over me. So I, I dedicated a lot of time and I spent a lot of time engaging, creating content and things. Um, but through that, I definitely found the sustainability movement uh because it just if it doesn't cross your path you don't really think about it and it's until someone no. points it out to you uh and then it's a bit of a rabbit hole it starts with disposable coffee cups and then the next yep. thing you know you're using <laughs> solid shampoo bars and menstrual cups and life is a lot better mm. but definitely that was and so now I use it more to to find accounts that inspire me and to keep me inspired so I'm quite rigorous at the moment with unfollowing anything that sort of sets a negative twinge yeah. in my gut but I do think there was there was a point there where it's really rough because 
when I started with my Instagram, it was a lot easier. There wasn't an algorithm as such. You posted mm. and people who were online at that time saw it. So if you picked the right mm. time, people were going to see it. Whereas now Instagram has a very clever algorithm that chooses to show or hide your content. And so as that started to affect engagement and uh, follower ratios and things like that, it sort of, I realized that I was putting a lot of my my validation or my self-worth on my statistics. I'm using mm. air quotations here. <laughs> and so I stepped back for a while and now I'm like, you know what, I will just do me and I will engage with people that I like. And the the follower account is nice I and it has allowed me some opportunities that I would not have had otherwise. But I think mm. it's been in the last eight months or so that I've gone – yeah, you know what, I'm just going to do me. And people who want to stay for the ride, stay for the ride. And I think that's a lot healthier because that's what it used to be when I got into Instagram. And now it's just a lot of incredibly beautiful people taking incredibly beautiful (laughs) photos, incredibly beautiful (laughs) photos, and none of that is me. I know. I, I know what you mean. It's, it can be all consuming sometimes. And I mm. that thing about what you said about um, uh, people looking at followers, that does, I have had that happen before where they're like, oh yeah, and just drop your Instagram handle. We need to check how many followers you have. You can only apply if you have so many followers and things like that, which is crazy to think about. And then it, and it feeds, um, you know, it can be quite mentally draining at the same time to like feel like you have to absolutely and also how many of those followers do they think are actually going to buy a ticket and come see the show right yeah you know what I mean it'll be a small percentage I've had followers come and I love it and I'm so excited but unless you're sort of you know there's a reason that Asha Ketty can be on four tv channels at once and Mm -hmm. it's because she's at that level where people find her comforting and familiar and will tune in to see what she's doing but unless you're Asha Ketty or (laughs) Gemma Ricks (laughs) and even then you look at Evita and she was it, correct me if I'm wrong but it was Gemma Ricks who was the alternate for um, yes Tina yeah. Arena people were swapping out of Gemma Ricks days Gemma Ricks was seen as you know they were yeah. they had to advertise what days she was on because she was seen as the lesser alternative and that's Gemma freaking Ricks yeah, yeah. it's crazy <laughs> I, I don't know, know what they like... think my little my little 20,000 it's gonna do <laughs> they 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 expect every single one of your followers oh my god whether they're in australia overseas to get here be at that show that that's what they want and mm-hmm. it's like it's a very small percentage if any that either can a afford it b live in the same country as you or the same state as you like it's it, social media it's such a big and vast world that it kind of, it's a bit upsetting that uh, I've never experienced that happen where they've asked. I mean, actually, that's a lie. I have been asked for my social media before. I never thought it was for that. I thought it was more for, you know, how in terms of getting a job, you know, a few years ago, it used to be a thing that you had to make sure like your profiles were all like PG-13 because oh. jobs can like look at your profiles. That's what I assumed it was. I didn't think it was anything like to do with your followers. And it's kind of upsetting. I think it's them buying into the vanity metrics because yeah. at the end of the day, everything comes back to money because if you don't make your money back, you're out of the game. Mm. And so I think similar to a marketing standpoint, when I work with a PR company, they'll frequently ask for the reach that I received on my image so they can report back to their client and say, we got your product in front of X many thousands of people. And so I think presenters will go, well, if we have 
15 people in our cast and each person has at least X number of followers, that's our reach is bigger and we can go back to our mm. producers or our investors and say, yeah. well, look at this, look at this media reach we have. But there's a difference between a theoretical reach and people who are actually going to buy or purchase or invest. But I guess to brighten things up a little bit after <laughs> what was a <laughs> slightly sad topic, didn't realise I was going to be quite so eye-opening. I, I just didn't realise that was a thing and I'm super... I'd, I'm just kind of really weirded out by it now. But anyway, we're going to play a little bit of a game. Yay! Now, this game for this week is going to be a little bit different because I picked a game that I'm I'm really hoping (laughs) turns out well and that people enjoy. But this is going to be, this is Harry Potter themed because (laughs) I do know that you're quite the (laughs) Harry Potter fiend. Um, And this is going to be, so you're going to get turns and... Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a quote that a character says, and you need to tell me the name of the character that says it. Ooh, oh, good I lord. I have a friend who would be so much better at this, but okay, yeah, I'm ready. I feel it's like okay. It's okay. It's all right. I, I admittedly have not read the books. Um, I read the first book, and then I freaked myself out at nine years old when Voldemort came in. So uh, I think you've got a good, you've got a good shot here. <laughs> Don't worry. It's yes. a mix of movie and film. I tried oh. to make them ones that, especially for... Um, that I kind of just look at and immediately kind of went, that's an iconic line. Mm. Okay. Oh, great. So Libby, you're going to be going first. And I will, I will admit I started you with an easy one. Okay. The quote is you're a wizard, Harry. (laughs) Hagrid. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I was like, for a minute, I was like, wait, is that Dumbledore? No. No. All right, so Libby, that is one point to yes. you. Don't worry, I start. I started you off easy. I don't. I don't want to okay. scare anyone too much Oof. with these. All right, all right, Abby. Mm-hmm. It matters not what someone is born, but what they grow Double to be. Girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. All right. Oh, okay. On. That one's also easy. Anything that sounds a little bit like you could put it on a tattoo or like an inspirational wall <laughs> chart is from Dumbledore. <laughs> Look, when I was reading through all of the quotes to choose from, literally all the Dumbledore ones, I'm like, these feel like an inspirational, like, wall hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's like a live, laugh, love wall hanging, it's from Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. So we're on two all. So Libby, this is your next one. All right. I'm ready. Don't let the muggles get you down. Oh my God. That's actually quite tricky. Yeah. Don't let the muggles get you down. They say muggles, muggles, Draco says muggo, muggles, muggos, <laughs> muggos. <laughs> um, Draco says muggles a lot. I think, oh, what's Draco's dad's name? Uh, Lucius Malfoy. Incorrect. It's oh, I mean, Weasley. I like oh. the image of buddy Lucius who's just there to pep you up. Don't let yeah. the muggles get you down. <laughs> I, liked, time. I liked where you were going, but uh, not quite. But okay. So, Abby. Well, I'm in it to win it. Just because you have the emotional range of a teaspoon doesn't Hermione. mean we all have. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's on this. I mean, okay. Disclaimer here. Disclaimer. I listen to audiobooks when I go to sleep because otherwise my brain will not shut off. Yep. And yep. there was a period where I was just 
listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks on repeat. So I don't know how much of this is my knowledge and how much of it is just my subconscious sleeping <laughs> oh my brain. Gosh. I'm almost and embarrassed that I can do this. <laughs> Your oh, subconscious is just like, woman. I got this. Step aside, active brain. Yeah. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I'll need to listen to Harry Potter audiobooks now to, to get better at Look, this. I'm it's, it's not a skill I'm proud of. It's like, hmm. All right. Libby. All right. I'm ready. I hope you're pleased with yourselves. We would have all been killed or worse, expelled. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Oh, that's super iconic. Um, oh, that's Hermione. It is. <gasps> yes. Isn't that from like the first film or something? Yes, it is. Peak Hermione. <laughs> Peak Hermione. <Yeah. laughs> I had to include that one. It kind of felt like it just had to be in there. Um, so we're now on... Two all. Um, Abby, if you get one... this. Yeah, mm. Abby, if you get this, you win. Okay. So. I have to decide whether I want to stay friends and throw the question. <laughs> <laughs> if not, there is a tiebreaker. I mean, I am a Slytherin, so I'm probably not going to do that. Oh, I'm a Gryffindor, so, you know, don't worry <laughs> yeah, about it. Just go you. for it. Yeah. I'm super all right. <laughs> Hit me with it. All right. Things we lose have a way of coming back to us in the end, if not always in the way we expect. That sounds very quotable. It sounds, yeah. I feel like it might be a trick, but I'm going to say Dumbledore. Incorrect. Oh, oh no! Oh, it's really? Luna Lovegood. Oh. It is too. Yeah, I, see, I thought it was Dumbledore. She's also wall hanging. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so ashamed. I love Luna. Oh, well, there we go. Well, we might need the tiebreaker round. Do I need a buzzer for this? Yes. So we will have a buzzer, but oh. um, we're not going to make a sound because I can't see either of you right now. <laughs> we're going to do names. So just scream your name at me. Okay. Um, I'm terrible at so. this. I didn't do very well at screaming my name last time. I just go ah. <laughs> <laughs> if I just hear a general scream, I, I'll know it's Libby. Yes. Um, <laughs> Okay. okay, so this is a very iconic line. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a gist of where it's coming from. Iconic line from the final movie, so the final Ooh. book. Ooh. Okay. And it's, not my daughter, you bitch. <gasps> Bing! Oh, oh me, Libby. Who dinged? Was that Abby? Uh, no, I went, oh, oh, and then Libby went, ding. I mean, it was almost simultaneous. I went, ding, and then oh. I think you said Abby, and then I said Libby. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ding, and then I was like, that's not it. <laughs> I just panic, you know, guys. Like, I get so excited, and then I'm like, ah, i got to yeah, make a noise. one job, which is to say our job. own name. I know. I failed at it. I know. <laughs> well, Abby, right. I'm going to give this to you. You go for it. I know who okay. it is, but I've forgotten her name, so you just... Oh. It's Mrs. Weasley. God, it is Mrs. Weasley. What's her Molly Weasley. Molly, Molly Weasley. Molly yes. Weasley. Oh, she's so brilliantly portrayed as well. What a gift to the world. But with that, we do have our victor. Abby, you have Yay! won I'm the Harry Potter Court hands. Challenge. Oh, I mean, <laughs> not something to be proud of as a, as a grown woman, <laughs> but, you know, we take what we can get. We, I feel like I see it all the time on your page. You just have a passion for books, so I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. Hmm. If that love's been challenged a little bit recently with the actions of a certain crazy person, yes. but I think I, at the moment I'm going, you know what? The greatest revenge is to take the art back and be like, not my Harry Potter, you bitch. <laughs> 
Now, moving on from that incredible game and congratulations, Abby, on that win. But we know that you are also a businesswoman and you have this company called Free the Artist. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so Free the Artist um, was partly inspired by the whole COVID meltdown because I suddenly realised how little stability and uh financial flexibility and freedom artists have um, mm. and how little knowledge or confidence there is around basic personal finance because mm. it's not really something we're taught. You don't you don't go to your tertiary institution and get taught to sing a high C, kick yourself in the face, cry on cue and also manage your business, which is yeah, what no. a career is. And so – you know, you don't hear someone say, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just a starving dentist. It's not, yeah. it's not anything <laughs> other than starving artists. And it's that acceptance and almost that assumption that unless you are Brad Pitt or Viola Davis, you're going to be financially struggling and it doesn't have to be that way. And mm. I think the more artists can take control of that, I mean, we've also learned that the government will not always be there in our corner, but the more you can take control of that and take ownership of your finances, the more they can actually support you in your career and allow you to, to make bigger and bolder and braver choices. But there's no one, there's, yeah, there's a lot of information out there, which is on personal finance and budgeting and that sort of thing, which is tailored well, it's just four people who work nine to five and get a nice regular mm-hmm. paycheck every fortnight yeah. and that sort yeah. of thing. Not tailored to, it's just the default. Uh, but that's not the life we live. No, it's very different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coming yeah. out of uni and starting to do acting jobs or jobs that are based in the arts industry where it isn't a regular paycheck, at first it, it's very scary because you're like, you get your first paycheck and you're like, oh, look, I have $500 amazing and then you're like and my bills and my food and my petrol and my rent and it's all gone and and goodbye money great and so I guess when you kind of announced this it's something that really not only caught my eye it seems to have caught a lot of people's eyes um what do you think the biggest positives of having you know that financial freedom as an artist are obviously you've kind of just spoken about it but what are the biggest things yeah but I think that's exactly it I think it's freedom uh whether that be you deciding to put on your own work Mm. and being able to afford that Mm. or deciding that you want to go and shoot this incredible film um, and you can afford to take a couple of weeks off work to do it or being able to take that class that you desperately want to do but is, you know, going to cost a kidney. It's having money in your corner means you can make choices based on what is best for you and not based on your financial situation. I sort of say if you're not controlling your money, your money is controlling you. It's making the decisions. Whether that be you putting it on credit and having to deal with the credit later or you just not being able to make choices you would like to because you don't have the money to back it up. That's definitely something that is tough for artists. I know that even Tori and I have struggled with that. Mm. It's the decision of do you work and do you pay your rent or um, do you – go to that amazing opportunity of an audition but you don't know if you're going to get it Mm. and so it's very um you know and with that it's it's quite hard to figure out that financial situation do you have three tips for us on money management as performers yeah 
I think the first thing and the most important thing is to just take an honest look at where your money is going. And you don't even need to act on it. If you look at where your money is going and you might realize that you're spending us, you know, multiples of thousands of dollars a year on Uber Eats, or you might realize that you're spending a huge amount of money on a class that's not really fulfilling you or looking at it honestly and not just sort of going, well, yeah, I think I probably spend about this much on that. Mm. Even looking at those figures, you'll either go, oh, I'm happy with that. Or you'll go, oh, I'm not happy with that and start subconsciously reassessing where your money is. Because Mm. as creatives, you were saying before about having to choose between paying rent and bills or opportunities. Normal people don't have to make that choice as much. No. No. You know, they definitely have to worry about rent and bills, but that's their money only needs to look after one life for them. They just need to look after the rent, the bills, the food, possibly the family. Artists have to do all of that and have to look after networking and headshots and classes and showreels and productions. And so your money has to work twice as hard. So you just, I think the first tip would be just to take an honest look at where it's going and be honest with yourself about whether you're happy with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second Mm -hmm. tip would be to ask whether you're investing in your career because it is something that will be good for your career and you can back that up or whether you're investing in your career because you feel like you're spinning your wheels and you want to do something. So maybe you feel a little stagnant and you go, you know what? I really need new headshots. That'll, that'll be what kicks me ahead. But sometimes I think there's a tendency to invest money. So you feel like you're doing something. So I think yeah being honest and looking at it as a business investment and going is this the best thing and the thing that my business needs or am I trying to make myself feel better or feel like I'm achieving something ah yes when really what your business might need is more networking with casting directors or producers or what your business might need is a more finely tuned voice um skill or and is it actually the missing piece I think the final tip would be to automate your money so that every dollar is accounted for because if you don't watch your money and account for it it just evaporates a little bit here a little bit there and it just goes so automating your money so that in advance you know x amount of my money will go to my savings for when I want to go and do something and I can't work or x amount of my money so that it's not just all on the one card and it just a little bit goes here and a little bit goes there and then next thing you know it's three days till payday and you're on baked beans so deciding in advance and being proactive about where you want your money to go uh, as opposed to deciding when it's landed in your account what you're going to do to it because you, as you know, just booked a TV ad and suddenly has an extra five thousand dollars, is not thinking straight. You need to you need to think ahead and decide for that person what the money was. You know, take that decision out of future use hands. Oh, I've definitely done that when I whenever I've done TV work and I get that pay and I'm like, oh, look at this! Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like going to the supermarket hungry. It's never a good idea. Yeah. It's, it's become definitely <laughs> well, like a, what money. Yeah, it's definitely become a thing for me. I think in the past like year or so, when I started paying for things myself, like paying like for my first trip to New York to study, and I paid for it all myself. It very much became a thing. Any extra money that came in went straight into my savings. But it was a thing of okay, all my money has to go to this thing. Cannot mm. no other money. So I think 
I think having that, like you've been saying, that financial freedom, it is so important because you want to be able to make those choices. Like I recently booked an acting class and I first looked at it and was like, this sounds so good. And it, it really does feel like it can help me in a lot of ways, genuinely. And I looked at the price and I looked at my savings and I looked at the price and I looked at my savings and I looked at the price and I looked at my savings <laughs> and was like, oh God, just can I? And I ended up just kind of going, yeah, this is an investment in myself and it's an investment in my career. And I applied for another class that was three times as much, um, knowing that though if I do get it, I have the money. I feel comfortable in doing this because it does feel like something that will, you know, it yeah, will something that will actually help me to further myself exactly. But I am in no way, shape or form anywhere near to financial freedom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's look it's always going to be an ongoing balance and a struggle and I think that's something I would say as well is to not to not be ashamed or resigned to your financial situation a lot mm-hmm. I mean I'd say almost 100% of people come and go oh, I'm just so terrible with money well, no no that's that's mm-hmm. like if no one's ever told you that your body needs five, you know, five plus a day or your body needs a balance of fresh fruit and vegetables and nutrients, you're probably just going to eat what tastes good. And you'll probably mm. be living on bagels and Snickers bars <laughs> because it's not unlike, you know, the need to eat and sleep and drink water. It's man, money is a man-made thing and it's not something that comes intuitively. So you're not terrible with money. No one's taught you about it. Mm. And so it's like trying to be an Olympic artist and an Olympic athlete without anyone sitting you down to go, here's how we get that nutrition to support it's that. Dead. You are so right. And it's never taught in institutions. It's not taught in even school. You you aren't really taught how do you deal with being a financially independent adult? Mm. How do you deal with having good finances and setting yourself up? What are investments? Like there is so much to do with finance that is never really taxes. Mm. And what you're taught is gearing towards a nine to five to career. So if you are lucky to be taught yeah. about a budget, it's here's your budget. Um, you do it every week when your paycheck comes in and I guess you do that till you're 65. Congrats, you're well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, That's it. Not, how do you a little bit different. You had money there for new headshots and for yeah. classes and for – it's the saving money with no fixed goal in mind I think can be very hard for artists. Do you think that taking control of your financial situation can really change how we – not only on a personal basis, but as a community basis, perceive money? I think so. I really think so. Um, and a lot of that can also come from your upbringing and, and the, the lessons you learned about money subconsciously. But particularly when it's coming from a scarcity standpoint where you're going – I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay rent next week. That's when mm. you get into situations where you're working in jobs that make you miserable or you're taking yeah. gigs that you don't really believe in to make that to yeah. make that paycheck. Um, and if you are in a position where you are more confident that your money is in your corner, you can be a little more clear-headed about what is actually best for you and what fulfills you and makes you happy. And I think that comes into play even in your day job or your paycheck job. 
where when you've got a bit of money in your corner, you can take a step back and say, is this day job? It may not be my dream job, but is it fulfilling me enough that I can sustain a long-term career while I'm pursuing my my creative goal? Because I think there's only so long for most people that you can waitress or work retail before the combination of doing (laughs) Mm -hmm. that and the combination of the endless cycle of sort of uh, work and rejection that comes from the creative arts, the two of those combined can be very overwhelming. And I think that more than anything is what causes people to go, you know what, I'm tapping out. So I'm such a firm believer that if you find a way to earn either your additional income or your main income that fulfills you and energizes you, you can keep chasing that creative dream for the rest of your life. But if you're sort of coming from a place of financial scarcity and just chasing that paycheck every fortnight or every week, it's exhausting. I think that's it. That was a really long winded way of me saying, if you're constantly in the cycle of chasing your paychecks and worrying about money and paying off credit cards, it's exhausting and you can't maintain a long-term career if you're exhausted. It definitely feels like that. As the very, very beautiful Dave Newman says, the artist will not look after the human. The human has to look after the artist. Oh, that's very, that's a good quote. Isn't it beautiful? I'm totally stealing it from him. I need to stop crediting it and just pretend that I came up with it. (laughs) (laughs) Just change a couple of words, shift a couple of things around, just some casual plagiarism. It's okay. It's It's nothing to be ashamed of. (laughs) Now you have this business that you can chat to you about all things financial freedom. So what do you offer your clients when they come to you? So I work on sort of a three-prong attack uh, because unlike the incredible people doing financial advising and financial counseling and accountant work. I don't do taxation or investment advice. We work purely on basic financial education and accountability. So we look at definitely the personal finance 101, setting up a budget, managing money when that income might not be the same every week. And then we also work through those internal money stories that might be affecting your spending or your saving habits that you don't even realize are there because frequently that can be what has also caught you in a cycle or is affecting, uh, you know, perhaps why for some reason every couple of months you just do a massive splurge and you burn all of your savings and you feel like you're back where you started. That's not always Mm. just a discipline thing. There might be something a little bit deeper going on. And then finally, I normally get in my very supportive corner and if people are interested I work with them to find alternative forms of income whether that be to sort of supplement their day job or to start moving their income towards and something that fulfills them a little bit more Um, because I I've done that I have done everything under the sun I have done almost (laughs) every day job you can and I am so familiar (laughs) with that sensation of coming home and just being like, I should be excited about this class, but I just want to eat pizza and watch TV. And that's not, then you start to beat yourself up as a creative. And I know the difference of getting off a call with a client and being like, yeah, that was amazing. I'm so excited for them. I'm really cooking. You know what? I'm going to find that script and start working on it because there's a difference when everything, when you're fulfilled and excited and it may not be, I think people are sometimes worried that if they start looking for other things that bring them joy, it will detract from the pursuit of their career. 
but I've found that it tends to feed into it because when you're excited and energized about something that can just overflow into more work on your career yeah definitely and that I think sounds absolutely amazing so if any of our listeners at all uh, sound like that this is for them or something that they would like to delve into a little bit more make sure you do check out um, Abby's business Instagram which is at free the artist coaching as well as her own personal Instagram which is at Abby Kadabi yeah but it is. <laughs> but before yes. we finish up for today we have a segment on our podcast called bedtime stories which is all about show mishaps, costume malfunctions, just kind of anything that has happened <laughs> during the period of a show, filming, a TV show, anything that's kind of just gone wrong, that's just left sitting with you forever. Do you have a bedtime story for us today? <laughs> oh, I mean, I have a terrible memory. There's probably many, many funny stories that people tell about me that I don't remember. I may have blocked them out. Uh, I, did, I did roundhouse kick another actor in the face once. <laughs> oh my god oh my gosh <laughs> once upon a time there was a dance routine and I may not have warmed up quite as much as I should have and I may not have been able to do a lovely fan kick over his head as oh much as I no. <laughs> Reese, if you're out there I'm so sorry and it was a full oh my fortunately gosh. I was not in heels we were still in in flats that day and so it wasn't a it wasn't a two and a half inch block heel to the face. It was it oh was a soft God. shoe to the face, oh. but it was still a full roundhouse kick. I mean, the irony is I've discovered kickboxing in um in isolation, and I'm now really enjoying mastering my roundhouse kick. So maybe I should thank him for being the inspiration. Your roundhouse kicks will be beautiful next time. Oh you're my on goodness! Stage. It won't be any use in a song and dance routine, but maybe one day I'll get that sci-fi action f- um, film I've been dreaming of. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on today and having a chat to us. It has definitely been amazing to get to know you and get to chat about finances and and your, you know, even your career and everything. And it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. It has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Of course. Like we said before, if you guys are interested in learning more about finance and kind of how to feel like you do have financial freedom as a creative make sure you do check out abby's page which once again is at free the artist coaching and of course her personal page which you can get all your book loving movie loving eco recommendations for at abby kadabi but thank you once again so so much for coming on and having a chat with us abby definitely and make sure you guys stay happy and healthy during this crazy time thank you so much for listening to today's episode and we hope you enjoyed don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rate and review on apple podcasts and to send us your bedtime stories and stage door sunday pics We also would love to hear your feedback on the episode and what you'd like to hear from us in the future. You can let us know on our Instagram at ps.stagedoorpod, via our email at ps.stagedoor.podcast at gmail.com or contact us via our website, psstagedoorpodcast.com. We love hearing from you and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye!
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.